Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. This morning's scripture reading is Galatians 1, verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. You may be seated. Paulette Steele's daughter-in-law, Becky, has a niece whose name is Kenna Lindsay. Kenna was in a very bad car accident and was lifelighted to a hospital in Memphis. The good news is she's expected to survive, but it's going to be a, a long road ahead. And uh, let's, let's take a moment and pray for her, if you would, please. Gracious Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. And we've had, some of us, a little bit of rain. And we pray, Father, that you'll bring us more rain especially for all our farmers whose crops depend on it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can assemble peaceably in this place to worship you, to sing songs of praise to you, to glorify and to honor you, and to pray to you. We pray, Father, now with Kenna Lindsay in mind, and we ask, Lord, that you'll be with her as she recovers. We pray that you'll bless also those who are caring for her, for the doctors and the nurses, And we pray, Father, that you'll give her family peace. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have modern medicine, and we thank you for all that it's able to do, but we know that one thing it can't cure is death, but Jesus has. And so, Father, in Christ's name, we pray that we would always live faithfully to him, that we would do your will on this earth as it is in heaven. We remember also, Father, those who are grieving as of recent losses. We pray that you'll be with the Mayfield family and all those who loved Mr. Mayfield who passed. Give them comfort. We pray, Father, remembering several of our members who are going through trying times as well and those who are facing health issues. We pray your blessings upon them and their loved ones. Gracious Father, as we are so blessed to worship you in this country, We know that there are men and women who have served this country to protect our rights and our liberties. And we thank you for those who have been willing to sacrifice their lives for our safety and well-being. We pray that you'll bless our service men and women, our first responders. And we pray, Lord, that we would strive to be a people to please you in all that we do. May your wisdom be with our government leaders on every field and stage. And Father, we pray that your grace will shower this world. Help Jesus to be seen in us and through us. And we pray, Lord, that in the darkness that sometimes occupies this world and society and our lives, that we can truly be, as Christ said, that light. Forgive us our trespasses. Cleanse us from all our sins. And we pray, Father, that we be found faithful when we come to join you in the heavens above or when Jesus returns for us. 
And this is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Well, that was a long prayer, wasn't it? Boy, these preachers can pray long prayers. God is good. And all the time. You and I make choices every day. Some of them are routine, right? Most of us probably have a routine. We get up, we go through certain activities, uh, just like clockwork. And sometimes when that routine is upset, we're a little upset about it too, right? Uh, because we're creatures of habit. Most of you may have either a, a doormat or some kind of picture that's hanging on your wall, and it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But have you read the full passage that that appears in. It's Joshua 24, verse 15. The Israelites have just occupied the promised land. And Joshua has the whole assembly before him. And this is what he says. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the god of, gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love the resolve with which Joshua spoke. He made the choice that he and his house would serve the Lord. Daddies, husbands, that leadership falls to us. To lead our family in such a way that God is glorified and honored in the house. Sometimes that's not always the case. Sometimes it takes a strong mama to do that because the father may not be present or he may not be a Christian. But hopefully through her example, he'll become one or at least know the Lord better. There's a song, and I, <laughs> when I was writing this sermon the other day, I, it got stuck in my head, and I couldn't... Don't you, you ever have that happen? You get a song stuck in your head, you can't get it out? And it, it gets a little bit annoying sometimes. But the one that I had, because I was thinking about this, Choose Today Whom You Will Serve, made me think of that old George Jones song, I Have Choices. See, I sound like him when I do it. <laughs> he says, Since the day I was born, there were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today, living and dying with the choices I made. And of course, I had to go in the office and, and subject Jeannie to it and uh, it's a pretty good George Jones impression, though, she, she said, so I, I'll save that for later. When I became a Christian, my Uncle Bo and my Uncle Andy, who baptized me at Taylor Christian Camp in central Kentucky, they said to me, this is the most important decision you'll ever make. And sometime after, Daddy would tell me the second most important decision I'd ever make was who I spent the rest of my life with. I think I chose good. I can't speak for her, but I made a good choice. Paul in Galatians, he is making a choice too. And it's one that you and I have to make. He said, for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men? There's the point. If I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The choices that we make every day, we can choose to live to please God or somebody else. Now, it's not mutually exclusive. You can live to please God and please people. But you can also live to please God and that's going to displease people. But there are passages that speak somewhat to us as Christians 
endeavoring to please others, not to the neglect of God, but for the purposes of their edification. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So some of us have different preferences on things. We prefer one thing, someone prefers another. And this coming right off of Romans chapter 14, where Paul was addressing that very topic, he says, you know, whatever you do, don't please yourselves, put others first. Y'all heard that, probably spoken by Jesus sometime, do unto others as you would that they do unto you. They call it the golden rule, right? So when you do unto others, you got to first think of them and then think, what would I want done to me? Another passage, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So Paul is not confusing us. Uh, as a matter of fact, the issues that he was facing with the churches in Galatia, it came down to either I live to please God or I live to please men. And when it comes down to God and men, I choose God every time. And sometimes when you choose God, people will be happy. I mean, think about the baptisms that we have uh, mentioned over the past few weeks, our young ones who have, who have confessed their faith and put on Christ in baptism. They have chosen to live to please God, and guess what? We've rejoiced with them. But sometimes, if we make choices or stand for things that please God, not everybody else is going to be pleased. And so you got to think, am I going to go with them or am I going to go with God? And hopefully at the end of the day, when the decision has to be made, we who are Christians decide I'm going to go with God. And you know what? People can call me whatever name they want. They can add phobic to the end of it. They can call me a bigot. They can call me whatever. I don't hate anybody. But if God's word says it, I believe it. And it doesn't matter whether or not I believe it. It still says it and that's still his will. And so we live to please God and not to please men. But some of you good people are people pleasers. Anybody a people pleaser in here? Anybody want to own it? No? I don't think so. Now, people pleasers are not bad people. They're, they're very good people. Um, but bless their hearts. Sometimes... They, they want everybody to, 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 to feel comfortable. But there are other people who, they will naturally appeal to authority figures. Uh, well, for example, there was a story uh, in March of 68. Lieutenant William Calley raided a province in Vietnam, and once it was taken, he ordered his men to round up about 300 to 500 civilians who were then subsequently killed. He was court-martialed for these actions and charged with 22 counts of murder. And he testified that his captain ordered him to kill every living thing once he took that area. The court found, and I'm going to read from the decision, quote, that whether Callie was the most ignorant person in the United States Army in Vietnam or the most intelligent, he would have had to have known that it was illegal to slaughter civilians who were demonstrably unable to defend themselves and that the order was palpably illegal. The court noted that for a hundred years, 
It has been a settled rule of American law that even in war, the summary killing of an enemy who has submitted is murder. Now, he said his captain gave him this order, but his captain said that he gave no such order, which is kind of interesting. But still, he was responsible for his actions. But when you are told to do something by someone in authority, we're often inclined to go along with it, to believe it, but there are sometimes to where a line has to be drawn in the sand. And there were a couple of times in Scripture where the apostles had to make this very choice. In Acts chapter 4, they were preaching the name of Jesus around the temple mount. And then they were brought in by the authorities, the Jewish authorities, religious and legal. And they were told, don't preach in the name of Jesus again. And their response was, Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. Well, there's a little bit more to the story, and they're sent away, and guess what? Do they obey the authorities? No. They keep preaching in Jesus' name. And in chapter 5, they're brought back in, and they said, we told you not to do this. And their response then we ought to obey God rather than men. So just because someone's in a position of authority, just because someone's an expert or whatever you want to attach to it, it doesn't mean that they're always right. Now, a broken clock can be right twice a day. And people in leadership and places of authority, so-called experts, they're still human. But God is still God. And when faced with that, we have to decide, am I going to choose to please men or am I going to choose to please my Father who is in heaven? So, okay. Sometimes you and I have to have difficult conversations with people we know. That may even be people that we like, that we love. There are problems that need to be addressed. There are confrontations that need to occur. And sometimes there are disagreements with those that we really don't want to hurt. And most of us do all that we can to avoid these conversations. We don't like conflict. And I'll tell you, there are some things as a preacher I really don't like preaching. But how I feel about it doesn't matter. Sometimes things need to be said. And one of the, case, one of the sad things about Christianity, in my own opinion, you don't have to agree with it, is that not enough preachers are willing to say all that God's Word has to say, even when nobody likes it. When I read Scripture, specifically the book of Proverbs, now if you want a good exercise for yourself, read a chapter of Proverbs a day. There are 31 chapters. Every time I read, there are portions of Proverbs that really steps on my toes. For example, Proverbs 15.1, a harsh word stirs up anger, but a soft word turns away wrath. Sometimes that's hard. I don't do well with that. Sometimes it's easy to respond harshly than it is softly. And you can read other ones. But if you read the Bible and you don't find yourself looking in the mirror and going, eh, I need to do better here, then either you're not reading your Bible or... You think it applies to everybody else but you. 
I love it when I preach a sermon sometimes and somebody comes up and they go, I'm glad you preached that. They needed to hear it. And I was thinking, well, you need to hear it too. You know, uh, and I needed to hear it as well. But Paul decided that rather than speaking to placate men, he would do so to please God. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Here's something you're not going to like to hear. I didn't like to hear it, but I tell you, it was something I needed to hear, and it was a life-changing thing. You and I are sinners. We may be good people. We may be honest people. We may be upstanding citizens, paying our taxes on time, holding the door open for others, pulling out the chair for ladies. But we are still sinners. And when we look around at the problems in the world, guess what? We contribute in some way to that bad. But God calls us out of the darkness into the light to contribute to the good. And He points to the cross and He shows us that His Son died for those sins and that all the bad things that we see now don't have to be that way and that there is a world, another world that God has prepared in the heavens that is void of sickness, disease, decay, sorrow, and tears. And He offers that to us. But the first thing you and I have to do, we have to realize, I am a sinner and I need to be saved. If you never get there, you won't ever get to heaven. It's like what they teach them in AA recovery. The first step is admitting that you have a problem. Lord God, have mercy on me, a sinner, is a prayer that I pray nearly every day. Just that short. Because even though I am saved, sometimes that old man of sin likes to rear his ugly head now and again. But though we are sinners... God's grace is so great that despite how bad it is, God can save us and forgive us and cleanse us. You know, there are some stains that are just hard to get out. I'll tell you a story. And so a few years ago, I was deer hunting. And at the time, I had my Dodge, which my Dodge wasn't four-wheel drive, so I wasn't about to take it back in to where I needed to get. So I took Stephanie's little Kia Sorento that was four-wheel drive. And I said, if I get anything, I'm going to lay down a tarp. I'll put the deer in the back. I'll take it. Be pro- Okay. So I, I had a pretty good year that year. And I had the tarp down and I, you know, this one, it was a buck, about seven point buck. I had to muscle that guy up in the back of that thing all by myself. Don't you feel sorry for me? And I got it all the way to the, to the guy that was going to process, and then I got it back home. And then I, after, you know, the, the season was out, I was pulling that tarp out. There's blood. I, I didn't cover it 
very good. I thought I had it covered, but it wasn't covered. Uh, and so I was going to take it to have it cleaned and worked on, and I had to tell the guy, I said, that's deer blood, by the way. Uh, you know, you, 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 a guy's going to clean your car and he sees blood, what's he going to think? Uh, that's deer blood. Now, in western Kentucky, you can get away with that. If I was like in Nashville, Tennessee, I'd have the cops called on me. Some stains are hard to get out, and the stain of sin that we all bear is removable only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Joshua told the people to choose for themselves because he knew that there was the temptation to choose foreign gods, of which there were many. Take your pick. And so the Israelites decided to worship God as well. And when Jesus was teaching about himself being the bread of life and various other things that many people just couldn't accept, the Bible tells us from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, Will you also, do you also want to go away? You know, Peter, Simon Peter, often opened his mouth and Jesus had to correct him. But on this occasion, as well as some others, he hit the nail on the head. He answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You've got hundreds of people, and now you're left with 12. It's because they didn't like what Jesus had to say. Now today, however, people don't walk away from Jesus when the Bible says something that they don't like to hear. You know what they do? They try and make a positive spin on it, and they try to make it out to be some kind of good thing. Well, okay. As much as I will answer to God for myself, I believe people that do that will answer to God for that as well. I'm going to let Him take care of that. But if God calls it bad, it doesn't matter how you and I feel about it. If God calls it good, doesn't matter how we feel about it. He is the one who determines what is righteous and what is unrighteous, what is holy and what is unholy. I'm just to go along with His standard. And the thing is, we all have people in our lives that we care about, that we love, and they live and do the unrighteous and the unholy. And because we love them, we don't want to hurt their feelings. Because we love them, we don't want to make them feel bad. You can still love a person and call sin, sin. I've got mine, you've got yours. We are none of us angels. But those of us who are Christians, we have been made clean by the blood of Christ. Now, here's something I really want to point out. I began with Joshua, and Joshua was saying, choose this day whom you will serve. If you think it's evil to serve the Lord, then choose the gods on the other side of the river or choose the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you keep on reading, Joshua's generation was faithful to the Lord, faithful to the covenant. When you go a couple books ahead, here's what you read. 
when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. This is Joshua's generation that has to be gathered to their fathers that they've died. And the next generation didn't know the Lord. We're only one generation away from unfaithful. Now, I would really love to sit down with God or with Josh, somebody, and go, how did it go from a faithful generation to a faithless generation? How did it go from a generation that we would say church going to a generation that wasn't church going? I, I want to say, Joshua, did y'all not tell your kids about all this stuff? Did you not instruct them in the ways of the Lord like you were supposed to? I mean, how can you not tell what God has done for you to your children and your children's children should you live to see them? How can you not tell? And you, we all have families like this. We have a faithful generation, maybe one, two, or three. We have some in here that I know four generations of family that go here. I love that. That's just great to see. But then some of us have the faithful generation, then the unfaithful generation. You know, I want to know, what, what went wrong? What, you know, what did I do? Where did I fall short? But as much as we're one generation away from unfaithfulness, we are also one generation away from changing the trajectory of our family. So in my family, my parents divorced when I was a toddler. They both remarried and both have divorced again. Both my paternal and maternal grandparents divorced. You get the picture? There's a long line of divorces all throughout my family. To my family, that's common. But I didn't like the common. Stephanie and I have been married 20 years. To some of you, that's not very long. But we're young, so... Chew on that, okay? 20 years. And I'm proud of that. Not because I can say my marriage is like, but I found someone that she will tolerate me for the rest of her life or mine, whichever ends first. And he who has found a good wife has found a good thing. So maybe you go, you know, I'm new to this Christianity. You can make the choice to live faithfully to God and it can change the trajectory for your family. The one common denominator of all the issues of my family, and this is not me thinking I'm better than them or being critical of them, it's just an observation. The one common denominator is they all believe in God, they all believe in Jesus, but that's about as far as it went. And because of that, there were divorces. Because of that, there was substance abuse. Because of that, there was domestic violence. Now, you're going to think I'm odd by saying this, but I'm proud of the fact that I've never laid a hand on my wife in anger. Some of you go, well, that, why, would, you know, why should you be proud of that? Because domestic violence was, you know, it's kind of like a big thing in my family. I've broken that cycle. I've broken the divorce cycle. Both of my children praise God, thank you, are Christians. Now, those of you that have grown up in several generations of faithful Christians, 
you may not understand how that's an accomplishment, but I feel like it's a good accomplishment. And I pray that it keeps going forward, that if I'm to ever be a grandfather, that, that our grandchildren would come to know the Lord. But as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be bossing everybody around, making sure everybody gets to church. Well, now, no, you know how I raised you. I'm going to do the guilt trip thing. That's what daddies do when you get older. One generation away. Okay, so let's wrap it up. The business you've built and the titles you've won, the savings you've amassed, the challenges that we've overcome in the end mean nothing. Do me a favor, go to a cemetery today, tomorrow. Walk by and look at the tombstones. You'll read, Loving Mother. Loving Father. Wonderful Son. Things of that nature. Right? Faithful Christian. When we're put into the ground and they write on that tombstone the things that we would have spent our lives focused on, no matter how noble it may have been, usually don't make it on that tombstone. But the fact that we were a mother, a father, a son, a brother, a sister, a daughter, a Christian, those are the things that usually make it. So choose this day and tomorrow and the next day whom you will serve. It takes effort. For those who've never chosen Jesus or who've never chosen God, here, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's the first and greatest command. And if you believe that Jesus is God's Son, you have that faith, you trust that, be willing to confess it. And not just one time, but confess it the whole of your life. I got, to tell you, I got my hair cut earlier this week. In case you couldn't tell, I've got nothing. So the lady that was cutting it and I were having a conversation and she was asking some rather deeply philosophical questions. She said, what do you think happens when we die? I know that. Oh, sorry. She said, what do you believe? I said, I said, well, what do you think? She said, I think it's just darkness. I said, I think there's something better. And so we were, she's like, well, I guess it depends. So we had a conversation, and I said, I, I'm a Christian. It didn't hurt to say it. And because she didn't believe like I believe, it didn't scare me away from saying it. So be willing to confess. Okay, you have faith. You confess Christ as God's Son. Repent of your sins. Be buried in baptism. That is when your relationship with God begins. That's when you're cleansed of your sins and you become a new person. Now, if you have, as I have, if you as a Christian have not done the best job of choosing God every day, well, none of us are perfect. But start making the concerted effort to choose God every day. Some days it's easier than others, but when it's hard, that's when it really counts. But if it's such a burden to you that you really want to unload, you can repent 
and ask God for forgiveness. And if we can assist you with that, we will. So we're about to stand and sing. And as we stand and sing, it's always an opportunity. If someone wants to become a Christian, you can come forward to the front. Uh, An elder and I will meet you and we'll talk and we'll be willing to handle that. If you're a Christian that wants God's forgiveness and the prayers of your brothers and sisters, we'll pray for you and with you. I love to say this is not a judgment zone. This is judgment-free zone right up here. We're fellow strugglers helping fellow strugglers. That's all that it is. If you want to do that publicly, you can do that. If you want to do it privately, please be sure to grab one of us, and we'll definitely be willing to attend to that. But you can come forward now as we stand and sing.